Thank you for tuning in to the Lakewood Grace Podcast. We're a church in Lakewood, Washington, and whether you're listening from around the corner or from around the world, we're glad that you're here. We hope this sermon equips you to be the Christian the world needs today. If you'd like to learn more about us, head on over to lakewoodgrace.com. And now, for this week's sermon. Good morning, little church on Lakewood Grace. It is so good to see you on this Sunday morning. You are in the right place. There is no other place God would rather have us to be than right here in God's house, worshiping God. And well, your house too. God is with us and it is good to worship with you. The text for this morning comes to us from 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 through 12. Listen now to God's word to you and to me. But you are a chosen people a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world to abstain from sinful desires, which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Hey, last week we looked at the nature of the church and what Peter wants to say. And this week we're going to be looking at the function of the church. Who What is she supposed to be doing? Uh, What is her function? The church to whom Peter is writing his letter to is a baby church. The church is in, in its very beginning stages, and this church is facing a harsh reality. They are enduring persecution, and it would only get worse. And to prepare and equip the church to thrive in the midst of persecution... Peter wants them to be crystal clear about both the nature of the church, who she is, and the function of the church, what she's called to do. Because you see, the right perspective, the right perspective will enable them to thrive even in a world where persecution was taking place. And the reason why this this is so important for the newly founded and maturing church was because a clear understanding of the nature and the function of the church would provide the new Christians with the right perspective with which they can thrive even in a world that is persecuting them. The very reason why the understanding of the nature and the function of the church was critical for the early church is the reason why it is so important that we get this right today. Having God's perspective about the church, the nature of the church, and what we're about will give us the proper perspective to not only survive during this COVID-19 reality, but to thrive It'll give us the perspective to be able to view our life in a world where nothing in this world, nothing happening, can shake us in this world. So take a good look at the ways Peter describes who the church is. 
a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own people. Let's take a look at these things one at a time. A chosen race. The church to whom Peter was writing was not only a baby church, a new church, but it was a church mainly made up of Jewish converts. And as soon as Peter uses the language of chosen people, it would have immediately called to mind for these Jewish people God's promise to the people of Israel because they were the chosen people. They were the chosen nation. And it would have called, recalled for these Jews who are now Christians God's covenant with the people of Israel summarized in Exodus chapter 19 verses 5 through 6 where God says, Now therefore... If you obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession out of all the peoples. Indeed, the whole earth is mine, but you shall be for me a priestly kingdom and a holy nation. I find it interesting that all the titles that Peter uses are described right there by God in Exodus chapter 19, verses 5 through 6. In describing the covenant relationship between God and Israel, A chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own people. It's all right there. That's part of the covenant. And here's the thing that's so amazing about this covenant. What what Peter is saying is that the great promise that God made to Israel is now being fulfilled through the church. The new Israel. A chosen people. A chosen race. The second title he uses is a royal priesthood. Now, we spent some time last week, quite a bit of time, looking at it. Priesthood literally means uh, a bridge builder. That Christians are to be the bridge builders between God and the people, and that we build a bridge so that people can have access to God over this chasm of misunderstanding and of darkness and sin. That Christians are the bridge builders between God and people. And then the third title he uses is a holy nation. Now, holy literally means set apart. It means to be different. Christians have been chosen in order that we may be different than all the other people on earth. And that difference shows up in how we live. Out of the myriad of ways and avenues that Christians can choose to live on, Christians choose to live on the narrow way that Jesus describes. And as we saw last week, the way we choose, the standard by which we're going to live is obedience avenue. And obeying God and his commands is what sets Christians apart. That's what makes us different. That's what makes us holy. Holy isn't this aura and this just meditating, whatever. That's not holy. Holy means to be different, to be set apart. And what sets Christians apart from all other people is that we choose the standard of life, the way, the truth, and the life is Christ and his word, and we obey that narrow road. We do not stray from that. And that road is called Obedience Avenue. Other people may follow the standards of the world, but for Christians, the only standard is God's way. 
you need not even start the Christian way unless you commit to being different from all others by living on Obedience Avenue, a holy nation. And then finally, the title that Peter describes the church is God's Own People. Hey, one of my favorite TV shows is Pawn Stars. And one of the things that I find interesting about Pawn Stars is ordinary items uh, acquire substantial new value, more value, if it's been possessed, owned by someone famous. For instance, uh, an ordinary basketball jersey has huge value if it can be demonstrated that it was worn by Michael Jordan in one of his championship runs with the Bulls. Just because Michael Jordan wore that jersey, that jersey all of a sudden has way more value than its ordinary basketball jersey. And it's the same way with us. We may be quite ordinary people, but we acquire a whole new value because of whom we belong to, because we are God's possessions. We are God's holy people. Don't you already feel better about who you are because of who our God is? That's what a right perspective does for us. It provides us with the right way to look at the world. Now, Peter closes this section about the function of the church with a challenge. He says, Beloved, I urge you as aliens and exiles to abstain from the desires of the flesh that wage war against the soul. Conduct yourselves honorably among the Gentiles so that though they may malign you as evildoers, they may see your honorable deeds and glorify God when he comes to judge. Peter tells the church that we are aliens and exiles. And we are to abstain from the desires of the flesh. Now, before we get to the whole aliens and exiles thing, uh, desires of the flesh, when you and I hear that as modern-day English speakers, what we think of as sexual sin, desires of the flesh, that's what I think of. But when the New Testament uses that language, desires of the flesh, it meant so much more than sexual sins. In the New Testament, desires of the flesh refers to Human life, human nature, apart from God. It means, it's referring to the unredeemed human nature. It means life lived without God's standards. A life that is on any other pathway other than Obedience Avenue is what the New Testament writers have in mind when they talk about the flesh. Anytime our flesh is ruling, it's a life that is based on a standard that's not Jesus Christ and the word of Jesus Christ and the word of God. That's the desires of the flesh. That's the ways of the flesh. And Peter says, abstain from living as if God were not God. Don't live as if God has not spoken. Don't live as if God has not given us his word. Don't live as, as, as if we do not know the way, the truth, and the life. We live on Obedience Avenue. Now, Peter says there are two reasons for abstaining from the desires of the flesh. First reason is because we're aliens and exiles. And what this describes is a temper that we are temporary residents 
of planet Earth because our home, our permanent home, is somewhere else. You know, you shop, invest, acquire, and live differently when you're on vacation, don't you? You know, um, a couple years ago, I was on a sabbatical and I rented an Airbnb for a month uh, in the Richmond, Virginia area. And when I was living there for a month, you know, it kind of becomes like home for me after a couple of weeks there. But it would be absolutely ludicrous for me to start investing and changing up that Airbnb, right? I didn't like the sofa uh, and, the, and the TV set up there. So it would be ludicrous if I'm there and I start buying a sofa set and a TV set that I like there and to replace it. I, didn't, I don't like the carpet, so I change out the carpet and I do the painting. That would be ludicrous as an Airbnb and, pro, and, and illegal. And when we confuse this planet Earth as our permanent home, and what many Christians do is we act and live as if this is our permanent place. All our investments are here. All our future hopes are here. You are aliens, sojourners, exiles, Christians are not permanent residents of planet Earth. We are on our way to a country which is beyond this earthly existence. We must never become so entangled in this world that we cannot escape from its grip. This is not your home. You are merely vacationing here, and we need to act and live as if we're merely sojourners. And so if you are a sojourner, what you do is you spend enough money to buy food for the month that you're going to stay. You're going to have to eat. You, you exchange the currency if you're in a different country. You exchange just enough currency so that you can spend that month there and get all the supplies that you need, the food and the taxi and the bus fares and whatever else. You do need to exchange some currency, but you do not invest everything you have in that vacation home. You only you only exchange just enough for that one, one month. And what God is saying is your home is in eternity. It's in the kingdom of Jesus Christ. You invest everything over there. You exchange just what you need right now to live here on earth for these mere decades, but you've got an eternity in heaven. You are exiles. You are sojourners and aliens. This is not our permanent home. Don't act like this is your home. Invest in the kingdom. And the second and even more practical reason why Christians were to abstain from fleshly living is because the early church was under fire. They were under attack. They were being persecuted and slanderous charges were made against them. In the early church, the, and when the whole Christianity thing, uh, thing was starting, people didn't understand uh, Christianity. And two of the most famous and infamous slanderous slanders against Christianity was that Christians were cannibals and incestuous. 
Uh, they were saying that Christians were cannibals because they had heard some, uh, some sayings and liturgy about worship when these Christians get together and about how they eat the body of a human being, drink the blood. And so there was a rumor going around that Christians were cannibals. And there was a rumor going around that Christians were incestuous because what they would see is husband and wife going to this church thing and then they hear one another calling each other brother and sister and they're like yuck they're incestuous people the only way to refute these charges was to live life so lovely that these charges would be seen to be obviously untrue you know plato was philosopher was told that a certain man had been making slanderous charges against him. And Plato replied by saying, I will live in such a way that no one will believe what he says. And that's Peter's answer to slander. And that's Jesus' answer. In a world that distrusts Christianity, live lives that are so beautiful, so lovely, that the lies and the slanders are shown to be what they are, untrue. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 16, let your light so shine before others so that when they see your good deeds, they will glorify the Father who is in heaven. So here are the takeaways. First is this, get the proper perspective. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own people. And because of that, know that you are not permanent residents of planet Earth. We are merely passing through. And the only smart thing that we can do if we're only passing through is to convert and invest just enough for what we need for these several decades. But all our riches... All our heavenly investments need to go toward eternity for the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Invest yourselves in the kingdom of Jesus Christ because that's the only currency that matters in eternity is the love of Jesus Christ. It's the kingdom of Jesus Christ. It's on Obedience Avenue. It's God's word, God's truth. Invest yourselves there. Invest wisely. Let us pray. Oh God, we thank you so much for the opportunity to worship you today. That's my prayer. And I pray and hope that that's our prayer. That we would be wise investors. Knowing that you are God. Knowing that we are merely aliens and exiles and sojourners. That we, we invest just enough here so that we can live and, and transact business while we're here. But our treasures, our investments are all in the kingdom that we make eternal investments. Lord God, use us that through our lives we bear witness and testimony to how amazing, how lovely you are. Thank you so much, God, for the ways that you have covenanted to be our God and that you call us a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, 
God's own people. Thank you, Jesus Christ. Thank you, God the Father. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Hey, friends, if you've never received Jesus as Lord and Savior, the way we become God's own people is by receiving Jesus as Lord and Savior, is by receiving the gift of eternal life God offers in his son, Jesus Christ. And the way you do that is to say something like this in your own words. You say, Jesus, I receive you as my Lord and Savior. Forgive my sins. I choose to follow you and live on Obedience Avenue. I want to invest myself with the kingdom for eternal life. And if you've made that prayer, uh, welcome to the family. Uh, Let us know in the comments because you're going to need a church to journey with you. Now, for the rest of us who have already made that commitment, friends, invest wisely. We're merely passing through here. You're living in an Airbnb right now. You don't put your investments there. That would be ludicrous. It would be illegal. It would be stupid. Invest forward. Invest in the kingdom. Serve in a way and live in a way that makes an eternal difference. Have a fantastic week, church. So miss seeing you. You are in my prayers. Amen. Thank you again for listening to the Lakewood Grace Podcast. Please be sure to subscribe and then head on over to lakewoodgrace.com slash connect where you'll find a link to contact us or you can fill out a communication card. Have a wonderful week. God bless.